Good morning. Good morning. Uh, they wouldn't get better. Last time I was here, and said good morning. Though, huh? <laughs> oh, this is uh, also. I like a good pulpit better than anybody. I'm bad because I don't stand behind them that often. Um, so we'll try this for a while as we go forward. Really? <laughs> okay, let's just start. I'm the gentleman who gets to accompany Sally Rose to breakfasts, so this is a good thing. <laughs> and just to make sure I do it right, Jess came along this morning, so that's a good thing. <laughs> She is the one that uh, they both keep me in line. But it is good to be here. And it's good to be here on, on a uh, Thursday, which is, um, it is Thursday, correct? Yeah. yeah. I lose track. <laughs> but I lose, it is Thursday, and it is a flyout day. Everybody say, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> and it's the end of a long stretch that we have just been going through. Um, it seems like it has been going on forever. And I, Kathleen, I appreciate that so much, that introduction. It is, uh, she did say that there was a, a, a large difference between me and my chairman, about a foot and a half. And um, some of you will get that on the way home this morning. Um, but probably our differences in views are longer than a foot and a half. But I've also found that that is exactly the way the founders wanted it to be. If the founders had wanted it any way different, we would have a different setup on how we have a, a constitution, how we have a government. Um, and as we go forward, this is, uh, you know, something that I think is very valuable in, in lesson learned. I, if, for those of you who have watched and have seen uh, these committees over the last minute, it has been, it, it, the least to say, it's passionate. Um, and I will, I will fight vehemently for my values. I fight vehemently for what I believe is the committee itself and the committee process. And that's one of the things that um, I think just in general that has been concerning to me is that when you have a committee with differences of views, that is the committee that most needs to be able to express and, and diversify those views. This is a committee that actually needs to have a, a venting forum, if you would. And one of the concerns that I've had, and it really surfaced itself at the end of last, uh, the in April and coming into the beginning of May, was that there was a, a basically a running roughshod of minority views. And I think that's been one of the things that I've had to uh, address as the ranking member, making sure that, you know, look, at the end of the day, as I reminded the chairman one day in the middle of the committee, you have the votes. You will get whatever you want, but it is not your job to run over us in the process of getting there. In fact, the way that you actually strengthen your position is to hear out what may be opposition to you, but at the same point, then make your points and move forward. So this has become the, the interesting theme, and I, and I think my concern is, and for those who know me in this room, um, I believe that the lost art in Washington, D.C. is that uh, Congress people have forgotten what our job is. And I've said this before, and I'll, I'll continue to say it. Our job is to legislate. That is what we are. If you look at it, we're legislators. They're talking about this. That is what we're supposed to be doing. And unfortunately, it has become the very antithesis of what we've uh, begun to do. We've begun to formulate party lines. We begin to talk about election cycles. We begin to talk about what makes you know best. And those are all part of legislation. But at the end of the day, if all we do is practice and all we do is look for a game that is every two years, especially in the House of Representatives, then we are failing the American people. And I think that is something that is very concerning to me. Because at the end of the day, how do we get stuff done? What are the arguments? I would love to line all 435 members of the House of Representatives up at this microphone and give them 30 seconds to tell me one legislative priority. Just one. I'm not even asking for two. Just one. And not a position statement. A legislative priority. What can we do as given and trusting to the keys of voting cards to say what can we do to make our laws, our regulations better in this country? is why I believe that members are bored. And you may think that's crazy, because if you look at my schedule, the least thing is bored in my schedule. 
But when you have no purpose, when you feel like that all you're doing is fighting circles, the same thing in the same news cycle over and over and over again, that's why we don't seem to get stuff done. Over the last few Congresses, I've only been here three. <coughs> this is my fourth cycle. And in that time, we made a choice through a great staff, and I would never be uh, half the member that I am without the staff that is here and the ones that are at committee, is we actually tried to accomplish big things. We went after it. I mean, six years ago, how many of us would have believed that we'd have rewrote the copyright system and had the Music Modernization Act actually passed, which took almost 100 years of work and embodiment in the copyright system and took on a new digital age and worked with all players at the end of the day having a unanimous vote and having 80-plus of a very diverse industry come together and say, this is something we want. Six years ago, they laughed at me, literally. Now the only people that are laughing are the songwriters of the future who will actually be able to get paid and the digital service who will actually be able to play that music and we have a ecosystem that actually works. Is that not what Washington should be about? Is that not what we should do? I mean, when you think about groups, there's a diversity of groups that came together. I can literally remember most of them could not sit in the same room in the first few meetings because they just, you know, songwriters didn't like artists, artists didn't like songwriters, songwriters didn't like digital, digital didn't like labels. And it was like, do y'all like anybody? Now we were able to come together. Then we took on criminal justice reform. Is there anything more palatable than the value of someone's life? Is there anything more valuable than the dignity and decency of what I believe personally is a God-breathed life that each of us around these tables are sitting there this morning with? And having some people who make mistakes, how many of this would be willing to say, even underneath your breath this morning, thereby by the grace of God go I? Except something that could have been taken and messed up and in the mistakes that we made, aren't we glad that somebody gave us another chance? Aren't we glad that if there's an opportunity for another chance, and that's what criminal justice reform was all about, and I'm glad the president took that on and signed it, and Jared Kushner from the White House helped us, and Hakeem Jeffries, who has my, been my partner on many bipartisan issues up here, including music modernization and criminal justice reform, said, you know, let's look past what can't be done to find what can be done. It's the art of the possible that is missing in this town right now. The art of the possible tells me that I can look beyond the horizon. The art of the possible tells me that there is something worth getting up for. The art of the possible says there's a reason for me to get on that jet and come from Atlanta, and there's a reason for me to stay here and be separated from the things that I value most in life, my beautiful, wonderful bride of 31 years, my three children who are growing up, that I've missed a lot of their growing up. There's a reason for me to be here, and if that reason is that I can make a difference in the people's lives through legislation, which is my job, then that's what we're supposed to be about. That's what this society should be about talking about each and every month, is how do we make it better, overcome our differences, and realize that it's not all about us. I've never seen anything worth having that only benefited one person. What I found in life is things that benefit the body, that make us healthy, is what benefits this body. What I see right now, unfortunately, in Congress, especially from my uh, position as ranking member on the Judiciary Committee, is we're not healthy right now. We're not healthy because our focus is not right. And now I get it. After several years of being out of the majority, the Democrats need to state their positions. I've got no problem with that. But state your positions and other things at the same time. Have your messaging, I get it, but also at the same time, find places to reach across the aisle. I will have to say, unfortunately, in the first five months, I have reached my hand across the aisle on many occasions to follow up on criminal justice reform, to find intellectual property issues, and nothing to have it except my hand be slapped. And that's not the way this is supposed to be. When you understand what our body is about, when you understand what we're to be about, 
then my question is, where will we be in a few years? Because what's be interesting is just for a moment, take a look around. From your table, not the ones you're sitting with. Look around the pictures. Because y'all think I'm kidding? Look around. Y'all are. Right, I've had all I can take from my table. We're done. You know, what's going to be happening is whether we like it or not, some of us Maybe on one of these pictures, some of us may do something actually, you know, amazing enough to be put on a picture on the wall. But the people is, is when you look at them, you say, what did their mark mean? It meant that something that they did actually left a mark. So my question for us today is, is as we look around at our tables and we look around at our jobs and we look around at why we're here in Washington, D.C. And what my driving force and motivation to lead, not only the, our Judiciary Committee, but hopefully help lead my fellow Republicans is saying it's time for us to make a mark so that when we leave this place, we don't look back on and say the only good thing we did was fight. I've never, I've counseled many, many people in life, many families. And what you always find is, is when they come to me, they say, well, it just started last week. No, it didn't. I can't tell you how many marriage counselings I've started out. Well, it's just, you know, we just decided last week it was over. No, you didn't. And after about 30 to 40 minutes, I find out that it probably started several years earlier. Because we let little things build up. And what we've built up in this Congress is, a, is what I call is an anathema to actually legislating an actual compromise. We don't think anymore that I can compromise and still have my values. I would challenge anybody in this country to challenge my conservative values, even though I'm willing to compromise not my values, but my priorities to say, what can I get accomplished that doesn't take away from who I am, but adds to the body when I couple that with someone else. So when we look at this, what could judiciary be doing? I think this is a, a sort of a look for. We could be working on intellectual property issues, patent issues. Now, is that going to be an easy lift? No. But nothing is easy when you first start, especially if it means something. Two years ago, we just made the majority. In the, I just made the vice chair of the conference. This was in 2017. The president was uh, just newly elected. We were getting ready for a, uh, a big time up here, and it was going to be exciting. And I go down into my basement, into my workroom, and I was picking up something and I stepped backwards because I was lazy and didn't clean up something earlier. I stepped backwards and how many, okay, we're gonna find out who's really, really country in this room. <laughs> I had an old mason jar. It was broke. And I didn't pick it up because I was too lazy a week before. But when I stepped backwards, it found my Achilles. And it nicked my Achilles. I mean, isn't this great for breakfast? Don't you love this? Um, you know, it nicked my Achilles. Didn't cut it, but it nicked it. And what is it? What does a you know male from the South do? I didn't put dirt on it. But other than that, you know, I went upstairs. It looked bad, but I said, you know, this will. It's got little heel. Let me just put a Band-Aid on it. It'll be good. So I just put a Band-Aid on it, threw peroxide on it. Life's good. I'm have my own medical doctor. I can do this. I play one on at least late night TV. Um, and so I was going fine until I got back up here and I noticed it was swelling, didn't feel good. I went over and got an MRI done and I had nicked literally my Achilles and it was swelling. So here we are, January 2017, getting ready for the inaugural. Everything's going on and they put a boot on me. And so I'm walking around with the boot and, this is, and then all of a sudden we go into healthcare and we're trying to get it done and everything is going sideways in life. And, and it comes to be about March and I was stressed beyond imagination. I was not eating well. I was getting up early, going to bed late. I, I had gained literally almost 15, uh, 20 pounds. I was at probably my highest. At 6'4", I was about 220, 225 pounds. And I felt awful. Now, let me ask you a question. It's just like legislating. 
At that point, could I just get up one morning, go run five miles, and be back in shape? No. I'd run five miles and die, is what I would have done. <laughs> but what happened is you had to start taking it slowly. So what I did is I changed my, my, my eating pattern. I started to eat better at breakfast. I started to have what they call a box. And, and I'm telling you this for a purpose. Because then I started walking. And I knew that I couldn't, the, the, the male in me said, well, I can go run. I'm in the Air Force. I can handle this. But no, I knew that I had to start off. So I walked. And I walked, and even when it was, okay, I'm, I can do this, walk in. That's the way legislation has to be. Sometimes you've got to start and find your ways to walk 100 yards with somebody so that you can then find the rest to go another 200 yards. Now this morning, this week, I've already run 13 miles this week. My eating is better, and I feel better. Two years. Two years. What I want to encourage our members to do, and what I've talked to our freshmen about, is finding ways we can do that. And in our platforms, we've got some big ones. We've got privacy issues. We've got internet issues. We've got all kinds of things that we can be dealing with. Patents. Those are all the things of the day. Criminal justice reform. I've made this comment that if my chairman, and I told my chairman this, I said, if we can't have a hearing on Bureau of Prisons and first step implementation, we'll never get a chance at second step implementation because nobody will trust us. We've got to make sure that we're doing these things. So what I would say to this group this morning is this. I believe in leadership. I believe in bringing people around. I believe in getting people invested in something bigger than themselves because when you're looking up and you're not looking at your feet, you won't stumble near as much because your vision is higher. It's time in this city that we raise our gaze. It's time as Republicans to raise our gaze. The people demanded of us. Why? Because they're tired of the same old, same old. They're tired of the circular firing squad. They're tired of who's more conservative, who's, not, who's more modern. They're tired of what, what they want to see is a vision, as Reagan once said, of a happy warrior. They want to see someone fighting for them, and they want Republicans that are not boring. <laughs> I've said this, I'll say it again, but if I see one more Republican with a PowerPoint, no offense to Paul Ryan, <laughs> he was at least a nice, handsome guy who pointed up on Paul Ryan. We got at least partial people looking at him. But how many times have you heard this? I'm going to end right here. We get up and we talk about, look at our GDP. 3.5%, we've got everything going. The wages are rises, unemployment's down. Does that not excite you? Thank you for the coffee this morning. Oh, boom! Why don't we actually get to the point where we actually look around and we say, you know what, I was back in Gainesville the other day, and I was talking with a uh, business owner as I was traveling around, and he said, you know the tax reform last year, we had deductibility, I could do it this year. I added two machines. You know what that meant? It meant that I was able to hire these three people, Susie, Jim, and Bob, now have jobs where they didn't have jobs last year. That's part of what being conservative is about, and that's what means smaller government. That's what less taxes, that's what it actually means. You all of a sudden, you attach the real to the theoretical, and theoretical and real become life. That is what we need to be about. That is what our party needs to be about. And if you believe that, then I'm reaching out a hand and say, join me. Join others on this hill that want to see this happen. And that is when the American people trust us and our country's gaze is lifted beyond the malaise that it looks at right now. Thank you so much. I actually have a question. Just looking outside the Beltway, I know you're heading to Georgia next week. What are you hearing from the folks back home? I mean, what's the political environment heading into next year? For those of you who, I will say this, for those, if you're living only in the Beltway, please get out of here, okay? Uh, I, I love you, come back and visit, it's a great place. I hear they have monuments, I hear they have museums, I never get to go, but they're, they're great. And the reason I say that is, is when I, I travel the country still, and, I, and I, people are not talking about the things we're talking about. That's a concern for me. 
there's a disconnect out there. Um, I go to and speak to groups. I go to church and I, and I play. And, and it's a good bellwether. You know, I, I have my bellwether is my barbershop. I got two gentlemen, one's in his 70s, one in his 80s. One's been cutting my hair since I was 12. And they see everybody in the community. It's a great place. And I talk to them. And, and what they're talking about is that, you know, Joe's building a new chicken house. Somebody else's job. They, they see the economy getting better. The problems I'm seeking right now are immigration issues. I'm, I have an ag economy in the ninth district of Georgia, and we don't have enough workers. I have some construction going on in my house right now that I'm begging somebody <laughs> to come work. And so these are the kind of things that outside the Beltway we're actually seeing is that the, the economy is working, that people are going about their life. And it's, here's a good part. Except for those who watch the cable news shows on whatever flavor you like, we got to realize that's 1% of the population, 2% of the population do that every day, that, that the rest, the 98%, are simply getting up this morning and wanting to know, did, did Jim and Susie, did they get their lunchbox filled? Are they going to school today? Are they going to finish up their test? They're, they're wanting to know, is their job, you know, what can I do to, to close that cell? How can we get the field planted? And for those folks in Missouri, if you've not said a prayer, if that's not on here, please say a prayer for those that have been suffering from floods and uh, tornadoes and everything else that we've seen in the Midwest. And I'm going to take one plug here and finalize something, and, I, and just bring me back this it is high time that the United States Congress, instead of going on this, will pay for it whenever it happens. It's time we do a budget that actually has a line item, a rainy day fund, disaster, whatever you want to call it. There's nobody else in the free world of a regular budget that doesn't have that line item there for, quote, unexpected. How many times are we not unexpected? Is every year. It's expected. we got to quit this disaster. I have farmers who will never farm again because we've had six, over eight, nine months since a tornado, a hurricane came through South Georgia, and they're bankrupt. They're, you talking about outside the Beltway? They're fed up with us. They're tired of us. They don't want us anymore because we, as a body, Republicans and Democrats, helped them to go bankrupt. And that's sad. And we still, we're leaving here before Memorial Day without a disaster bill because we don't have the foresight to do that. That's something we got to get. But again, I want to thank y'all for letting me come again. Uh, I hope I get invited back at some point, uh, you know, to be a part. But again, I just want to say thank you for, for everything uh, that you uh, mean, and I appreciate it.